Thank you, team. We'll see you in just a little bit after we close our series. Number four today, God confident. Wasn't last Sunday terrific? I said, wasn't last Sunday terrific? I, I don't know if we have a slide up. Did we bring that slide up yet today? I don't know if you can pull that up of, of uh, just a glimpse of it. If you can, put it up there sometimes just so they can see what it looked like. First service was fantastic. Second was, it was even to a higher level, and, and so much was that was contributed to by our youth returning from retreat as well as, yeah, there it is. Isn't that a neat picture? I love it. That's a keeper for our website. And uh, the, the sponsors as well turn, uh, coming home. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. I do want to encourage all of you, if you haven't, to take, a grant, uh, take advantage of voting. Please do that. Please do that. I mean, we celebrate veterans big time. That's one of the big causes they fought for, so we could have the freedom to do that. So please do that. Know the issues. Know the issues. Find out. Don't have your head buried in the sand. Find out. I jotted in my notes, you know, that, that it's not about party. It's not about personality. It's about principle. Right. Principles. And you got to dig a little bit to find out. I mean, for example, judges, they're supposed to be nonpartisan. You got you to dig a little bit to find out where they've landed on key issues that really, really matter. Amen. Let's, let's, let's be champions for that. Let's, let's uh, carry that. So I know you will. So remember the context. I, I really want you to get this. I've been repeating it every time. Paul wanted to go to Rome. That was his ultimate goal. I mean, that was the place to be, a place of influence, leaders. He thought, it wasn't about himself, but he thought if he could make it there, it's like the gospel could go out on steroids, just like compounded greatly. He got there, but he didn't get there as a preacher. He got there as a what? A prisoner. Now, I may have touched on this, but sometime, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and, and look at verses in there. And I, I didn't pull this up, but read those verses because what I want you to realize is Paul had been there and done that. I mean, that, those verses contain a list of all the things. Remember, shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead, beaten with rods, beaten with whipped, all those things. So here he was. He had had all those things happen to him, and he was at the, near the end of his life because his life was going to be taken prematurely. And so don't think that he's out of touch and some old geezer just writing these words. He was in the middle of suffering, in the middle of persecution, and he's writing the words that we've been reading, and we've been reading them out loud, and we'll get to do it again together right now because I want us to internalize these words. So you know what it's like. If somebody offers you compassion and sympathy and empathy, if they, don't, they, don't, if they haven't been through hurt and all, it's not going to mean that much, but when they've been through it, you listen to what they say, Right? It matters greatly. So I want you to know that's the context. So if you can, I'm going to invite you to stand, and, and let's read these uh, verses with expression out loud together, okay? These are life verses that we ought to know. Here we go. Out loud, please, with expression. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. Some of us, I realize as we're speaking today, uh, are facing... Uh, heavy-duty decisions, and I want to talk about that in a practical way if I can, and lift, I believe, an example from Scripture that will really help us. It seems like wherever you may be, you may be experiencing everything but the peace of God. You may feel overwhelmed. 
because you so want to make the best decision. Now, I'll say right up front that uh, we need to pray constantly in the middle of our decisions, great and small, for God's direction. But here's the key. Here's, here's what I don't think we pray enough for. I believe that we need to pray for an overwhelming sense of peace. How, how often do you pray for that? We pray, storm away, storm away, storm away, get behind me, get behind me, get behind me. How about praying also for peace in the middle of the storm? It's kind of quiet. Because that is one of the greatest testimonies you've been, you've experienced when God's presence is near in whatever situation. His presence is so real, you can feel it, it's tangible. It's, it's like a weight. But there's still something that is, God gives it, but then it's inside out, not outside in. In other words, it's not dependent on circumstances. It's dependent upon our level of God confidence. Got that? So could we add that to our prayer list? Lord, da da da, da with thanksgiving, I'm asking for your indescribable peace because that's a way I can point to you and praise you from whom all blessings flow. We thank, 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 but all the thank, thank, thanks points to the provider, God Almighty, and that's praise. That's the one we worship. Through whom all things come. But decision-making can be complex. But don't forget asking for God's peace in the middle of it. It seems like decisions never stop. And you, if, if, if you would count up how many decisions are made in a day, it would be thousands and thousands that we don't even think about. But there are bigger ones like should I stay or go or change jobs or get more education or keep dating this person? Should I rent by? I mean, just stuff comes at us continually. I think about myself being the pastor here and sometimes like now I can get bogged down in a particular season of ministry because I have so many open writing projects going on right now and I'm not always sure what to tackle next. Have you ever been there? It can seem overwhelming because I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself and my expectations, and I tend sometimes to look at the whole instead of step by step. Do you ever do that too? And as a whole, it looks like an insurmountable mountain, but when I just take it one thing at a time, I can get through it. You know, I, I used to hate it in school. I, I'm a writer, but I, I used to hate it when the teacher just give you a, a piece of paper and go, write about it, anything you want to write. I go, ah, do you ever get writer's block? You just stare at that blank sheet of paper over and over again. I have done that. But I know if, 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 if I know what I'm to write about or speak on, the rest seems to come naturally most of the time, some of the time. I just need a subject, a text, a theme, a key idea so I can put something meaningful together. Pressure comes from desiring to choose and do the next right or next best thing. That's where sometimes it's hard. There's a lot of good things, but what's best? Right. You ever struggle there? On given days, decision-making process can bring a level of pressure that I feel sometimes and even a little dread because of what seems to be hanging out there. Sometimes I feel like I'm on a moving sidewalk, like at the airport, you know, where, okay, Sunday, 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 oh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I mean, something's just coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. Do you ever get decisions out? I mean, don't ask me what I want to eat. Just put it on my plate, and I'll tell you if I don't like it. <laughs> no, I shouldn't do that, should I? Just put it on my plate. Well, complex decisions. It's true that in our world, our fast-paced culture, uh, indecisiveness can be a huge reoccurring challenge. I believe it is. And I, I wanna try to give you some practical steps today that I hope will be helpful. I read a lot, I, I listen a lot, watch a lot. Emerging generations, they say, are more stressed out than ever before. 
What's the reason for that? Well, professionals are calling it the age of anxiety, and I, I believe it's true. Life and decisions often seem to get complicated, and, and we are paralyzed. And I think there's two or three reasons. I guess I'll mention three. But number one, how many of you know that, that more choices aren't always better? Have you ever been to a restaurant that you've never been to and the menu's about that thick? And first of all, it's dark and you can't see it. The good news, you can pull out your phone and hit the magnifier and you can read it. Has anybody tried that lately? You can do it. I just did it yesterday. It worked swell. It was great. Yeah, then when I do that next, I'll have to have Dixie turn on her flashlight on her phone and sign it on my magnifier so I can really, really see it even more clearly. But too many choices. Uh, don't you think that? I mean, we're just glutted. What, what do you do? I mean, you see kids, too many choices. They can't decide, can't decide. And we're such scrollers. We scroll, 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 and we delay scrolling on an action plan. And after you scrolled so long, it's like, for example, oh, let's watch a movie tonight. Some acceptable family. So you pull up your favorite whatever, and you look, 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 and you spend more time look, look, looking than you would spend watching the movie, 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 or whatever it is. And by that time, you've given up, and you don't want to watch anything. Has anybody, can you relate to that? Yeah. Too many choices, unlimited opportunities, too much because we can go anywhere, do anything, and that seems to bring so much anxiety. So that's true. Now, I hesitate to use trendy words because I'm usually, they're usually in the rear view mirror by the time I mention them, but the second one is I think a lot of times we get paralyzed because we're afraid of making mistakes. What's the big word, at least it used to be FOMO? What's that mean? FOMO, fear of? Well, I'm gonna invent a new word, FOMU, with a U. And I'm gonna say it's the fear of messing up. That's really what causes a lot of people anxiety. They don't do, oh, what do you want to do? They don't do anything because they might mess up. And that leads to the third one that I would say is there's the illusion, it's kind of a spinoff here, of perfection. Honey, there ain't no perfect in this life. So quit saying perfect every other sentence, would you? You know what I'm saying? Only God's perfect. But oh, everything's perfect. No, it's not. Who is? He is. And we have that because I'm gonna tell you, I don't care how close we are to Jesus, we'll never get over being human. And that's not an excuse, that's just a reality. That can freeze us at times. Oh, I don't wanna miss out on God's will. I don't wanna, I feel pressure to find the right one, the one, the one. I, I, I gotta pursue my purpose. I gotta know the details of God's plan for me. Oh, what if I mess up? What if I don't find it all? Will God be upset? Is my life futile? Is it wasted? I don't want to let God down. I don't want to let somebody else down. I don't want to make the wrong choice. I'm afraid I'll make an irreversibly bad decision, and I'll hit that. But this leads to hesitation, indecision, stalling, and just procrastination where we never get around to it, to whatever. So I'll ask you this. You don't have to answer out loud online as well. Do you think you ever battle with indecision? I can hear it. Well, pastor, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, maybe, I'm not sure. What do you think? <laughs> I'd say we have a case of it. Well, we need to simplify. We need to simplify. So we need to do something about this. We need to uncomplicate it. We need to untangle it. There's a better way. I looked up Craig Rochelle in one of his podcasts. He it was like 18. It's way in the hundreds now. But five decisions of superior uh, decision makers, if I can read my writing, he said, avoid either or. So like too many, but just black and white, one or two. He said, sometimes you need to expand your options. This is just not either or, right? Yeah. There could be other things. The second thing he said is uh, avoid decision fatigue. He said, in other words, delegate. 
Don't tell somebody what to fix for you. Just eat what they bring you, for example. But delegate whenever you can. Can't always. But thirdly, he says, become your own advisor. Ask yourself, what, what would I tell myself? Or what would an outstanding leader that I know and love, what would they tell me about this? And I like this one. Then he said, make it a point. Put it on your calendar. Decide when you're going to decide. So, okay, I'm going to put it off. But by Friday at 10 o'clock, I'm going to make a decision on this. Oh, but here's the one I like best, and I'll hit it. Listen for spiritual direction. Does anybody believe in spiritual direction? It comes this way, doesn't it? But how many of you know it also comes this way? I don't think this is making us wind checkers. And we're gonna, that means just whatever, whatever way the wind's blowing, we go with it. No, I'm not talking about that. And I will go to the biblical example in the New Testament. Because the early church was messy, it was chaotic, you know, it just exploded on the scene and, and new converts, you know, thousands were being saved at, at, at one time and, and all these things were happening. And here's where the problem happened. It was fine for the Jews and all because they know the law and all these things, but now Gentiles, God's spirit was breaking out all over the place and Gentiles were coming on board and they were trying to put all the Judeo, Judaic laws and all these regulations on them and it was causing great conflict. And there's people that goes, wait a second, they haven't jumped through all the hoops, but God's spirit is pouring out on them, and their conversions are just as real as ours, and we need to talk about it. So that's exactly what they decided to do, and thus will give us a plan to, 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 uh, for decision making. But they were considering weighty issues. I mean, they weren't, they weren't just fly-by-night things. I mean, they were considering really doctrinal issues, and I want to tell you, doctrine still matters, we're kind of like a smorgasbord sometimes, a little of this, a little of that. And matter of fact, there can be things slip in there that aren't even biblical. you got to be careful. Doctrine matters. What we believe matters. They were wrestling with us. I mean, they were taking it seriously because they believed that these, these things that they were setting forth would impact eternal destiny. And here's the word, and, and I would encourage you to turn to Acts 15 sometime and read, read the whole story there. And, and, but I'm going to take these verses, but I think they're in context. Like verse 22 of Acts 15, it said, and this is the key phrase. It didn't say that, that, that they could go to, to, to some transcript and find the exact thing. It said, then it seemed good. Did you catch that? It seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with, with uh, Paul and Barnabas. They made a decision, sent Paul and Barnabas, but they said, we're, we need two more because we want them to verify it with their own words. We're gonna send a letter, but we want them to tell you in their own words. So they dialogued, and I like to use the word dialogue because it's not a discussion that somebody can dominate. It's not a debate where one side goes, but I like dia, that means two. That means things are shared back and forth. Don't you like that? Oh my, how our culture needs the dialogue, don't we? We need to be able to share back and forth. But they came to some definite conclusion. Whatever the debate has been, it, 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 they came to, and it says in some passages that they came to unanimous agreement about what they need to suggest to those new Christians in another place. They came to complete agreement about who they're gonna send to tell the message, about the things that they felt like they could pare it down to. It seemed right, the scriptures say, not to lay on them greater burdens on the new followers of Jesus, just the essentials. Just the essentials of faith. They weren't lowering the standard. They weren't lowering the level. They were simplifying. So here's the thing. What do you do when scripture isn't crystal clear about an issue? Because it gives us leeway for some things. Agreed? What do you do? Where do you go? What are you to do? 
Well, I'm reminded about that phrase. I think of the seem good, then I think of, of Proverbs. You remember in the Old Testament, Proverbs 14, 12, what's it say? There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. So there's a balance there. We've gotta be careful because there are a lot of things that are not crystal clear. It's not all black and white. It, it's not that simple. That's why the board says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We, we've gotta have our eyes and our hearts wide open. But I think in that, I, I think in that Proverbs scripture, I, I reread it, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man. I wanna tell you, when we think we've got all the answers ourselves, we can be in some serious trouble. I don't care what historians have said, I don't care what doctrine's been passed down, I know better, man oh man, you better beware there. That's a warning sign. Take great care, take great care. That's so important and I wanna expand on that a little bit because in our culture these days, listen please with your heart. And when I talk about some of this stuff, I think if you get defensive inside, that's an indicator. You know, I've been your pastor forever, and I've been here for years saying the same things, there's nothing new, so would you take this from my heart to yours? Beware. The wrong people, the wrong voices, with the wrong values or principles can and will be dangerous and disastrous to your spiritual health and to our country. What seems to be right in the realm of public or popular opinion will so often be so wrong. Please be careful. And what I'm talking about, what's our standard? Not a public opinion, but about God's word. Be careful. Because some issues are so spiritual. They're so morally motivated. That's the bottom line. And so I'll just ask you some things. I'm not accusing, I'm just asking, and I'm questioning do personalities matter more to you than principles? Hey, if, I've got, if I'm sick and I got a doctor who's gonna, win, uh, gonna work on me, I want him to be really good or her to be really good. I don't care what their bedside manner is. Are you with me? Some of the nicest coaches I've had have been the worst coaches. They're the first to give up and get discouraged. And some of the most driving ones, I don't particularly wanna be best friends with them. Are you here in my heart? Good coaches aren't about personalities or vice versa, you know what I'm saying. Okay, so I wanna continue on. Personalities matter more than principles. Are you listening to people's opinions that clash directly with God's word, but you're filling your mind and heart with those things? Are you following worldly values instead of spiritual values? Are you surrounding yourself by people who aren't close to God? Now. I'm all for going out and reaching, and I'll say we're, we're here for people that don't exist, but I wanna tell you, in our hanging out, hanging out time, that's when we are most greatly influenced. I, we're influencers, but I'm talking about the influence that's coming into our lives. I'm not accusing, I'm just asking, because I, I want you to think about it as we've been singing. And then lastly, are you embracing things that seem right, but are totally wrong? They're still right and wrong, they're still good and evil. In the New Testament passage, people of faith came together to determine what seemed good, that phrase, I love it, to do in the face of tough, tough cultural issues that they were facing, they were real. And the spiritual leaders came together and came to unity and came to agreement. Did you hear me? It wasn't a one-man show. It wasn't Paul or Barnabas alone. I mean, they came together. How do you know we're better together? Always. 
They were well-known and well-loved and trusted, and they were entrusted with that message to the precious new believers. I love verse 28 of 15, chapter 15, that says, "For it, listen to this, this is part of the plan. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. Did you catch that? I'm talking about being open to spiritual direction. It seemed right to the Holy Spirit, and he made that known to us. We felt that strong impression. It seemed right to the spiritual leaders as we got together and we dialogued, and we became of one mind. I wanna tell you, unity isn't man-made, it's a God thing. We can hold hands and sing kumbaya all we want, but that's not gonna bring us in one place. I was thinking back over my life growing up in the church and some of the most unifying times were like last Sunday, for example, but growing up in the early days here at Worcester Naz, when we would be in worship, it's just like all the small stuff didn't matter. It didn't matter who you were, where you were from. We were just one mind and heart worshiping God with everything that was in us. And yet we let so, pet, so many petty things divide us and we're looking for a man-made utopia and uni unity that doesn't exist. It will never happen in this life. We're to stand for truth, we're to walk in truth, we're to fight for justice and all those things, but this world is never gonna be perfect. We just know that. And we know that only God can bring unity because it's a heart thing. It's not, you can't force that from the outside in. Do you know that? Only God can bring us to a place of unity. And the only place of unity is gonna be when we look up and we focus on what really matters. The Holy Spirit indicated to us, the spiritual leaders, and then thirdly, it seemed right to a faith-filled family of God. That's a picture of unity. We need to be unified in essentials, not the non-essentials, but in things that really matter. Things that have eternal significance. Let's be unified. Because they were able to do this, they followed that spiritual direction from the Holy Spirit to one another. They were able to decide and act upon it. They'd been seeking God. They'd been listening to the Holy Spirit. The church had become the people of God and not a place but a people. It's the gathering of Jesus. It's the ones who say, I am now a child of God. That's my identity. That's our identity. We're the church and the church isn't the last option. It's, a, it's, it's gonna last because God said he's gonna build the church and that's still happening and it's gonna happen. Agreed? The church is needed. The body of Christ and that's why it's so important that we do it together. He said, I'll build it. I'll build it. We're family, the body of Christ is family, and we exist to meet the needs of the world. It's not a social club where we get together just to, to run around and meet each other's needs. No, we really technically exist for people that aren't in the family yet, agreed? Not to chase our own tails in a cul-de-sac, but to reach out to those. And I've been saying all the time to you lately, let's move from needy to needed. You are needed, you are needed, you are needed, 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 needed. Somebody needs your testimony. Somebody needs your life experience. Somebody needs you. Are you willing to pour out? Because only people who have been there and done that, have been through it, have credibility I gotta tell you, I, I've seen people try to serve God outside, totally outside the context of the church, and I wanna tell you, that's difficult. It may be almost impossible because we've gotta be connected to the body of Jesus, and that's the church. Created to represent him, to present him to the world. That's why 
we believe here at Worcester Naz, and we don't do it perfectly, but we so need to be connected beyond the Sundays or beyond online, whatever we do. We've got to find creative ways to stay connected with each other. I think sometimes we need to pull back from those that are drifting and defiant, especially the defiant word. And that doesn't mean we don't try to draw the drifting back in. But if they get to the place of defiance and they know better, there's times we have to pull back until they're ready. And the Bible teaches that sometimes in pulling back, that'll bring them to their senses. Doesn't mean we don't care. Doesn't mean we don't love them. I've had to do that. I've had to have some tough conversations at times, especially with men over the years. Pray for those who are hurting. Meet needs together. Seek God's direction together. Make decisions that seem good together. Encourage each other. Be better together. Oh, here's a good one. Move from the me zone to the we zone. Because that's the body, that's the language of the body of Christ. It's not about me. It's not about me. It wasn't about Paul. It's about we, we. So if pressure is big enough to worry about, I said the first week, it's not too small to pray about. If that pain is, it, 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 it's real and, and it's alert, the second week we talked about, it, it's, it's an opportunity to pray now in the moment. We don't have the power to control, but we do have the power to surrender. And last week we talked about because of who God is, not just for what he does, we praise him. A posture of praise changes our perspective. And today I was trying to keep that P, the, the P word going and I thought if I had to do over, I wouldn't name this decisions. I'd probably, in decisions, I'd probably say in purpose. You know, when you purpose in your heart, that means when you decide, right? You set, you set the purpose. You, you, set, you set your focus. And here's what I want to end up on that I think is encouraging. I'm not suggesting life is simple for a second, not saying that, but I don't believe we have to live in constant state of anxiety and fear with pressure about decisions or whatever. Less purpose to seek God in a posture of prayer with that perspective of praise as I just mentioned. Come together, stay together, recognize that God's with us, he's working, he's always good. I can't say that enough. He's helping us to do what's right and good. It's the spiritual thing to do together. Here's what I want to say. Some of you are really struggling today because of decisions made or not made. Hear me. Are you with me? Because of decisions made or not made. Sometimes decisions not made will bite us just as much as ones we have made. Because not making one is really making one. To not decide is to decide not to decide. So it's a decision. But here's the thing, some of you feel like you have made too many wrong turns and you've missed too many opportunities. You missed an exit, you missed an entry ramp and you don't think there are any more. That's how you feel. Well, I wanna tell you, that doesn't align with scripture, that doesn't align with the Holy Spirit's voice speaking to you. I love GPSs most of the time especially when I'm smarter than they are and I know a better route. Or sometimes I follow their route that I know better and that gives me a reason to gripe for 10 minutes after I could have gotten there much more quickly. But the fact of it is, many of you, you don't even know, you couldn't tell me how to get to your house today, to your home. I like home, not house. No, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. A lot of you don't know, you know how to get there, but you couldn't tell me the name of the streets or whatever. Well, yeah, you go up here a while and then you see this and you turn. You know? 
And have you ever had the panic mode on when you're out in some remote place where you think you know where you're going, but you, the, all of a sudden the GPS stopped and you are totally lost? Because you haven't been paying a bit of attention to where you're going, how you turn. You couldn't get back. If you took that away, you could never get home. But I love this. When I am lost and when I don't take a turn the right way, this particular voice on our GPS pipes up and says something like this. Take the next right turn. Are you, are you getting the gravity of this today? Wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is saying, just take the next right turn. There's always a right turn, no matter how lost you may think you are. Take the next right turn. And I gotta tell you some good news also. You see on Route 30 going west, they're putting some U-turns in on 30 because there's some bad intersections like where my mother died. They've changed that. You can't drive through anymore. They're, they're putting up signs. How many of you know that U-turns are really good? And how many times does a right turn learn to lead to a U-turn and you find yourself going a whole new direction? Look at me. Take the next right turn for goodness sake. That's a decision you can make. Only you can make. Your parents can't make it for you. No heritage can make it for you. You gotta take the next right turn. There is a right turn, no matter where you may be. I love scripture. I love Romans 8, 28 and 9. But 28 says, and we know. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And then it goes on to say in the next verse, because in so doing, he makes us, conforms us to the image of Jesus. What's better than that? Is anything better than that? Is anything better than being in the, involved in the advancement of the kingdom of God? God is willing and able to take our wrong turns, redirect, reroute, turn them into right turns and U-turns, as I mentioned the direction, the voice of the Holy Spirit is constantly directing, speaking. Remember, he is near, close, whispering in your ear. He's not shouting. God can redeem wrong turns. It may be something like this. This may not describe you, but I'm giving you an example. Oh, pastor, I should have never dated that person, but now I know what a godly person is, and I'm so grateful, and I'll never settle for less. That's a right turn after a wrong turn. I should have never trusted that person, but I'm learning how to forgive. I'm getting better. I never should have dot, 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 fill in the blank, but God. Or how about this one? I should have, but God. And he's telling you wherever you are today, there's still a right turn ahead. I got a hold of this testimony from a young adult. Their words, my paraphrase. On my life journey, he said, I took so many wrong turns. I chose the wrong friends, was in the wrong environment, chose the wrong entertainment, ran with the wrong girls, and I became the wrong guy in all the wrong places all the time. Wouldn't that be depressing if it stopped there? But there's a shorter paragraph to follow. Many, ah, this gives me goosebumps. <laughs> Many wrong turns led me to the right person, Jesus. Did anybody find Jesus at the end of a wrong turn? 
He forgave my sins, made me new. He transformed my heart and sent me in a new direction on a journey towards a new forever destination. My wrong turns led me to Jesus. I've admonished you and will again. Don't focus on just what's wrong. Remember the psychologist said, I know trouble and you don't have trouble compared to most. Think about all that's right. Think about what God is doing, what he's done. Think about the good things. Don't try to push that perfect button because it doesn't exist. Nothing stops the Holy Spirit from working in and through you. Never has, never will be able to. As I questioned, and, and before I say this, and I, I just wanna, I wanna ask you this parenthetically. I didn't do this first service, but listen, listen. Look at me, look at me. Look up a minute. Do the, your friends, the one who are influencing you, do they care about you spiritually? Do they? Does that podcaster care about you spiritually? Ooh. If they're influencing us, don't you think that should be a high priority? Huh. Surround yourself with people who have a heart for the Lord and have your back spiritually. Build your support team prayerfully and carefully. with a posture of prayer and perspective of praise, seek God with his word as your constant guide, your GPS, and do what seems right. Could I end with this, reading on in Philippians? I love this. Philippians 4, 8, 9. Now, dear brothers and sisters, that language makes me warm all over. One final thing. I say it again, rejoice, that kind of language. Listen, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse nine, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me. There's that connection and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you and you may not be able to explain it, but nobody can explain it away because you know it's real. All the time, instant on. And could I just say parenthetically that the greatest decision you'll ever make is how to respond to God's great love. And if you've been in this life-giving church or another life-giving church, you have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And you're not going to get into heaven because you know it in your head. It's going to be only when it travels to your heart and you make that connection, that 18-inch journey where you come to the cross to say yes to Jesus. And by the way, that's not just the end when you go and say, yes, I receive all that you've done. I confess and repent. I turn. It's, it's, it leads to a life of constantly saying yes every day. That's that life of surrender. That's that life that leads to victory. So a lot of you say, well, Pastor, I, I just can't really decide. And I'm gonna tell you, if you, if, you've, if you haven't decided to follow Jesus, you've already made a decision. You've, as I often say, you've accepted it or you're beginning it or you're considering it or even you're declining it. You're saying no. Well, wait, wait, wait. People don't like that word, but it's true. If you're deciding not to receive and say yes, you're declining his loving invitation. Could you embrace him? Learn his principles and lean on his 
promises. In relationship with him, that journey, as you live in Christ, there is a peace and rest and all kinds of love and freedom. Amen? I remember as a kid on Sunday nights after hours in church, can you relate? Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, then whatever, pitching dinner, then youth prayer meeting, then the youth gathering, and then the service, choir practice, then service, and then we get home about 9 or 10 by then, and we listen to Billy Graham on the radio. Did anybody ever hear Billy Graham's radio back every single week? Does anybody remember what it was called who was in the first service? The Hour of Decision. And what Billy did for all those years, faithfully living to be almost 100, as you know, he called people to make a decision. And how overwhelming it is to still see the classic crusades where people just flow. Well, that's not real too much hype. I want to tell you, real conversions happened. They weren't all real, but I want to tell you, tons of them did. And lives and families have been changed. But he kept calling us to decision. That's what I'm calling us to today. Make decisions. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Come into agreement with God-loving people that are around you. Don't be a wind checker. Get the body of Christ behind you, and, and let's move together. And let's be better. Let's be better together, and let's make the decision to take us closer to the Lord. Amen?